Y'all be seated. So good to see you on today, this wonderful Father's Day. Happy Father's Day, fellas, the guys in here that are dads, and it's just a joy to be able to worship together, to be able to recognize these gifts that God has given to our families with parent dedication. Just a, a, a good, good day. And I'm just glad we get to be together. Well, look with me at Third John. Go ahead and open your Bibles there. If you're wondering where Third John is, it's the epistle that doesn't even have chapters. You don't talk about chapter 1 of Third John. You just talk about verses because they don't, Third John doesn't have chapters. There's only one. And when you look at this, you'll see Third John. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 and really focus in on verse 4 this morning. So this is the Word of God, Third John. God's Word reads, The elder of the beloved Gaius, whom I love and true. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, and that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoiced greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. You know, when I think about today and you pay attention to the ads around Father's Day, have you been struck by how many advertisements there are out there for tools? There are everywhere. And it seems like every time I turn on the television and I watch a Braves game or something, you'll see all the advertisement for tools. I'm particularly intrigued by the recent one I saw from Home Depot, advertising the steel tools, battery-powered tools that you can use in your yard. And for just a sheer mere investment of $14,000, you can get everything you need. But along with the battery-powered steel tools that they depict the dad using, they then show the, 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 the play tools that the little kids are using emulating their dad. So it's got dad weed eating and it's got a kid using a play weed eater. It's got dad blowing and then it's got the kid using the play blower. And when I look at that advertisement, I'm like, what is the point? I need some help. I don't want to go out and buy my kids a play toy tool I want to get them a kid's version tool that I can entrust to them that they can actually contribute to the effort here because I just think that's really what it's all about. But I'm, I'm amazed as I'm watching all the advertisements out there about tools. And I want you to think about tools this morning as we look at this text and we think about tools on this Father's Day. They seem to be everywhere. But as you're thinking about tools, I want you to remember the lyrics of the song that we just sang. It's going to ring true with a lot of what we talk about today, that when you think about the explosion of inspiration in the Bible that you have for mothers when it comes to motherhood, that explosion is a little different when it comes to fathers and fatherhood. You do have some good examples of fathers in the Bible, but you don't have many of the details of what made them good fathers. But what we have repeated all throughout the scripture is the fact that we serve a perfect Father who loves us perfectly. So when you're wondering where do I turn in the Bible for an inspiration for fatherhood, all you have to do is look at the example of our Heavenly Father that shows us what 
true fatherhood should be. But this morning when we're talking about tools and fatherhood, I want to take a different approach than what you might expect as I'm heading down this road, okay? So we look to the Father, and as we look to the Father, you might expect me to say, looking to the Father gives us earthly fathers the tools we need to be faithful to what God calls us to do. I don't want that to be the takeaway from the sermon today. It's not about us trying harder to be good dads as it has more to do with our yielding our lives to the good, perfect Father as a tool in His hand. You see, it's not that we are called to use these tools. God calls us to be tools. Tools in the hands of the lives, and of, of tools in His hands that He can use to nurture and to shape and sculpt the lives of our kids. And so that's what I want us to think about as we consider what you find in the fourth verse of 3 John. I read you the opening verses because I want you to understand their context. The book opens with John, who is Jesus' beloved disciple, who identifies himself as the elder. And that Greek word, presbuteros, while it originally meant older man, it also carries the idea of respect, of authenticity, of integrity. The kind of man who truly is a tool in the Lord's possession. So John, who is Jesus' beloved disciple, was a man who was walking in maturity. And God grew him to become all of these things as he walked with Christ, as he grew in his understanding of Christ and was transformed by the power of Jesus in his life. And when you come to 3 John, you find him writing to a friend that he deeply loves named Gaius. And John, as he speaks of Gaius, you're reading these opening verses that he is praying for Gaius, which, by the way, there's a way that you want to be a good friend to someone. Pray for them. Really pray for them. Pray for them in the example that John gives as he prays for his friend right here. He's praying for Gaius. He's praying for his friend that he loves so much And he prays that he would prosper in every way. You'll see that in these verses. You'll pray that he's praying for his physical prosperity, also for his spiritual prosperity. He's praying that he would be a soul-healthy person. And then he tells us something. John admits that it gives him great joy that he has learned that his friend Gaius is walking in the truth. And all of that sets us up for the main verse that I want us to consider this morning. As John writes in verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. The greatest joy for John is for him to know as a spiritual father that all of the believers, the Christians, that he has had the joy of discipling, it brings him great joy when he learns that they, like Gaius, are living each day steadfastly committed to Jesus. And when I think about this verse, I want to encourage us as we consider fatherhood this morning that this is to be the ultimate target of all fathers when we consider our, the needs of our earthly children. John is a spiritual father to many, 
But for many of us in this room, we are actually the earthly father to our children. And as we apply the truth of verse 4 to us, as we consider fatherhood on this day, this is what I want you to consider. Every dad can be an irreplaceable tool that God uses to shape the hearts and the lives of his children. Every dad can be that tool in the lives of our kids. So I want us to talk about that today. And I want you to know this is a message that's really close to my heart. My oldest daughter is a rising senior at Campbell High School. That means that roughly 93% of her years under my roof are in the rearview mirror. And then I look at Sadie, the next one, a rising junior. That number goes down to around the mid to late uh, 80% are already in the past. I've still got some more time with, with Paige, still even more with Hannah. I'm thankful for that. But as I think about the urgency of this time in my life, as I consider where my daughter Amelia is, how I long to be that kind of father for her, to shoot her out of our home as she's soon to go off to college, and do so in a way that she is ready to please Christ. I want to be that kind of tool in my daughter's life, and all for my daughter's life. So let's think about that this morning. That this is the greatest call that we have as fathers. To raise our kids in a way that they are truly walking according to the truth. The way that Gaius was walking thanks to John. As John was a tool in Gaius' life. We need to be that tool in the lives of our children also. Now if we're going to be that, there's some things I want to encourage you. As we begin to flesh this out for, our, uh, for us this morning. How do we actually live that way? How do we make this more than just a hope-for thing? How do we put feet to it? Well, I think we'll do that first when we remember this truth. You have no power to change your children. Paul David Tripp, in his book, Parenting, which I highly recommend this book. Oftentimes I read a book that puts words to the melody of a music that's already playing in my head. Paul David Tripp's book, Parenting, is one of those kinds of books for all of us parents who want to please the Lord. And in the beginning of one of his chapters, this is what he says. You need to remember that recognizing what you're unable to do is an essential quality of parenting. I'm about to use an adaptation of one of Tripp's illustrations. It's something that unfortunately many of us have seen many times before. Though dad and his son were in a public place, he grabbed that son up by the neck of his shirt, was hurling insults with a raised voice, threats at his son. He felt like in that moment, it's obvious that stern correction was what this good father thought that he should do. And this was his goal, that his stern face and his embarrassingly loud voice would be that which would change his son. He would do this so that his son would never ever be so bold as to behave in the way that he just did ever again. And while your attention is drawn as you hear the father's raised voice, the truth be told, you're a little surprised that he's speaking that way because while you are around him, you never noticed a behavior that required this level of correction, but for some reason the dad thought he needed to give it. 
So by, behave, by letting his son have it, essentially this dad believed that he could change him. His son quietly cries. His dad is so close up into his face that his son can probably smell his breath along with hearing all of his words. And then pulling him away from the scene, the father all the time thinks he's doing the right thing. Have you ever seen this? Let's get really personal, Dad. Have you ever been there yourself? I want to share with you briefly from one dad who often fails fatherhood to the next why this kind of parenting doesn't work. Because it assigns to us or it assumes that we have a power that we just simply don't have. Sometimes you see it reflected when we think, Dad, things like this. If it's the last thing I do, I'm going to get my kids to believe. Or maybe we think it this way. If I don't do anything else, I'm going to send my kids into the world ready to live in the right way. Or maybe we might even think it's my job to make sure that my kids are doing the right thing. And we learn how to use scare and reward tactics to temporarily change our kids' behavior. Now, we'll say there is something somewhat redeemable in this desire. It at least acknowledges that if our kids are going to grow into mature adults that will one day please the Lord, then they are going to need change in their life, and they're going to need plenty of it. But here's the kicker when it comes to this. We just can't forget, Dad, we can't change them. And to think that we can is antithetical to the very gospel that we claim that we hold, and here's why. If we had the power to change our kids, then why in the world would Jesus have had to come at all? Jesus' life, his death, his resurrection, it all points us to the truth that it takes something way more than a human capability if our kids are going to be what God desires for them to be. So you are not to be the one that learns the right tools that brings about this change. God has designed fatherhood so that we become a tool in God's hand and we participate in that change that only God can ultimately bring. So now that you know what you don't have, I want to share with you now what you do. You have authority for the work of change in your home. And when I say that you don't have the power for change, but that you have authority for the work of change, I want you to know that those are way two different things. To say that we have authority means that we as fathers have the responsibility to lead our kids to the only place where permanent God-glorifying change can take place. And this kind of fatherhood doesn't make the mistake of parenting your kids, and listen to me, to turn them into something. Instead, it leads our kids to the place that they get to see something. Just this past week, I was having a conversation with one of the men that you met Sunday night, Jeff Warwick, as he was talking about 
how much fun it is to be a granddad in this season of life that he's in. I love getting to hear him talk about it. This, after I got back from the convention, I was telling him that it was my wife and I, we celebrated, Alan and I celebrated our 21st anniversary this weekend, and we went to Callaway Gardens for a little while over the weekend. It's a beautiful place. And whenever you go to Callaway Gardens, by the way, it is sacrilegious to not go to the butterfly house. It just is. Go to Callaway, you have to go see the butterflies. And so I was telling him that we would likely go there. He said, yeah, he said, I love taking my granddaughter to the butterfly house. He said, it is so wonderful. And he said, there's nothing like it. We were just there a few months ago. And we opened the door and we went into the butterfly exhibit and there were butterflies everywhere. And if you've ever seen it, it's amazing. There's big ones, little ones, some that aren't that pretty that look like moths, but most of them are just glorious and have all these brilliant colors. And he was talking about the joy of getting to see his granddaughter's eyes light up with the magic of seeing all of these beautiful butterflies and seeing her chasing after the butterflies in the exhibit. And that's when I asked him a question. I said, Jeff, here's my question for you. Tell me what's more magical. I want you to listen to this. The magic in your granddaughter's eyes is they are illuminated with the beauty of those butterflies or the magic in your eyes getting to take her to the place that she gets to be in that butterfly house getting to take it all in. And Dad, you know where I'm going with this. When it comes to the beauty of the gospel, when it comes to the way that we are raising our children, it is not our job to think that we have the tools to change them. But what we have is the authority in their lives to take them to the places that they need to go so that they can be in the presence of the Lord and the beauty of the gospel can be unveiled for them so they will see Jesus in all of his glory and not want to do anything else but live for him and believe in him and serve him. That is the joy of fatherhood. When you get to be the one that makes sure that you're doing the things that are necessary to get your kid in the places that they can experience the fullness of who Christ is. And that's where the change happens. So when we think about fatherhood, please know you don't have the power to change your kids. But you do have authority for the work of change. You're charged to lead them to the places that they can behold the beauty of Jesus. But finally, help your kids see how much they need grace. This means that when the sinfulness of our kids' hearts erupt into their actions, we correct them with godly discipline. We don't run away from it. There's times that they need that discipline. God calls us to do that as dads. It says in Ephesians 6, 4, don't exasperate your children, but you do have to lead them to the place of obedience. But you don't do that, church. I hope you'll hear me. We don't lead them to obey, to change them. But through obedience, we're guiding them to stand in the presence of the one who can change their heart. This means that when our kids are faced with a situation that threatens their overall wellness. And let me just tell you, in a world right now that seems 
so many times to be so far from God, there are plenty of threats out there to our kids over our wellness. Things that might influence them and turn them away from the Lord. We need to protect them. It should rise up in us the need to be their protectors. It doesn't take it away from any of those things. But I want you to know and hear me, dads. The only way that we as dads are going to help our kids know that they need grace in their lives is for us to know them. We as dads need to be experts in the unique ways that each of our children are individually wired. We need to know how to make gospel connections in the particular ways as we shepherd their heart that God has crafted all of their hearts uniquely as he has made each of our children fearfully and wonderfully made. Josh McDowell wrote a book back in 1996 called The Father Connection. I've had it in my office for a long time. Over 25 years ago, he writes in that book that he commissioned a survey of nearly 4,000 middle school and high school students, but it wasn't just a random selection of children at large. It were kids that came, here's the qualification for those who were surveyed, they came from committed church-attending families. Of these children, the 4,000 of them, 86% of the kids surveyed said that they had made a commitment to trust Jesus as Savior and Lord. But listen to the statistics that marked their lives. And this was 25 years ago. You can only imagine that it's even harder today. 54% of these kids say that they never talk with their dads about personal concerns. One in four kids say they've never had any memorable, memorable, meaningful conversation with their dads at all. 42% of these kids, which is two in five of them, say that they seldom do something special with their dads that involve just the two of them. And one in five of them say that their daddy seldom or ever shows them love. These aren't just a random spattering of kids. These are the kids in our pews and our churches. These are the kids that are involved in our youth group. These are the kids that are going through our baptismal waters after they've trusted in Jesus. These are the beautiful children that are raised as our children are, are, are committed on days like today, just like the three were. But aren't these statistics just heartbreaking? One in two of them had no meaningful conversations of regularity with their dads. Many of them don't even remember ever having one at all. Dads, how will we use our authority if these statistics are holding true? Our job, and listen to this, is to make God's invisible grace visible, says Paul David Tripp. How can this happen if we really don't know the kids that we are blessed to raise? How can this happen if we're not even thinking that as they're going off to school, we've never had these conversations with them? If when they're rising seniors and we're looking in our rear view and 93% of our time under our roof has already passed us, if we're not thinking about the urgency of our calling, these things just are not happening. Now, we need to think about practical ways 
to show our kids how much they need grace every day. Here's one of the things, dads, we can do. Think about it this way. Keep the windows of your personal spiritual life open for your children. The only way that your children will ever learn to be patient and trust the Lord is that they see you turning to the Lord to supply you with patience. The only way your kids will ever be forgiving of one another and ask God for forgiveness and for them to see you when you sin, go to those you need to be right with and ask forgiveness and ultimately go before the Lord confessing your sin to him because he is faithful and just to forgive you of all of your sin and cleanse you of all of his, his, your unrighteousness. Listen, there are times, Dad, that we sin against our kids. When's the last time that you've apologized when in your anger you did something you knew was not in step with what they needed? You have the humility to go to them in those moments and say, I'm sorry. I need you to forgive me. My anger took over. I just need you to forgive me. I... Those are not times that we've failed terribly as parents. The times we fail is we don't acknowledge our need for grace. Our kids can see as we cling to it what it's like for them to cling to it too. We need to keep the windows of our spiritual life open. Talk to your kids about what God's teaching you in the Word every day. What did you learn this morning as you opened up the Bible? How was your prayer time in the Word? How did God answer those prayers? There's times also, dads, we need to seize the mundane opportunities that come with life. You know what I'm talking about. Just sharing life with people. You don't have to go way out of your way and set up this incredible excursion to introduce them to Jesus. Sometimes it's just paying attention to what's right in front of you. One of the things my girls do every day with their mama is they wake up, and those who are at home that we're still homeschooling, there's something called World Watch. It's a way that they can understand the news from a Christian worldview in a way that's appropriate for children to learn it. And that fosters conversations as current events are happening to talk about how does the Bible speak into those issues. Sometimes it's the mundane things about watching something and then asking a question. How does that align or what does that not do? And listen, it's not just the bad stuff. If you're paying attention to what your kids are reading, there are gospel whispers in a lot of the, what they're reading that will point them to understand the truth of what God's Word teaches. There's so many opportunities in front of us. Sometimes you need to get in the car and go to Callaway to the butterfly exhibit. Sometimes you just need to go in your backyard and swing on the, on the swing set. But all of it gives you mundane opportunities to show your children what it is to trust in God's grace and how much you need it. Take the time to show your kids the truth of God's word when it's right in front of you. Don't forget to make worship and a commitment to the gathering of the saints every week, a prioritization in your home. In a time that there's so many things that are threatening Sunday mornings, it's so easy to say, well, what if I give up that opportunity? Can I, can I just tell you there is nothing, very few things in your life that are more important than your kid leaving knowing that weekly being with God's people matters. I grew up in a house of a preacher. Many of you know that. One of the things you might not know is what does a preacher do when he goes on vacation? Well, it doesn't matter. How many times we would go on vacation, the occasion over, it always happens over the summer, that's when preachers vacation. We'd go to Florida, and I was always amazed, my parents could have done anything on those Sundays, no one would have ever known, but they would always 
put us in some place that we'd have to go to church and feel so awkward, visit in that church and go to Sunday school, then we'd go to the worship service, then we'd go to eat something like a, I don't know, some cheesy restaurant, and then we'd get on with our vacation. But every single time, we'd always go to church on this Sunday. It didn't matter. Those things were just instilled, the importance of, of, of worship. All throughout the week, wherever you are, to be in the Lord's house, to be with His people on Sundays. Make a commitment to worship a priority, dads. Lead your family to where it matters. So let's raise our kids to live their lives every day so that they can live the way that God designed them to live with hearts that are aflamed with worship for Him and with lives that don't mind the fact that God has given us boundaries that we live in within, trusting the words of the psalmist that those boundaries always fall in pleasant places. So we trust the Lord has given us His law and His rules for reason. We don't resist that. We welcome it. There's no better place to live than in relationship with the Lord. That is why John says there's no greater joy than to know you're walking in the truth. Because that's the ultimate place to give our kids joy too. I want to close by reading to you an excerpt from a sermon by Charles Haddon Spurgeon that he preached back in December 21st, 1873 called A Parents and Pastor's Joy. It's an exposition of this verse that I've shared with you. A few weeks ago, I got to lead our weekday education program. I had this room filled with little littles in our weekday program and their dads. Donuts with dads. Cindy does it every time. And we have a chapel service and I get to address the dads. This year, I took them to 3 John 4 talked about the impeccable way that John lived, how his dads, the greatest urgent thing that we can do as dads is to find our greatest joy in knowing that our kids are walking with the truth. And I read to them this excerpt, and I just let it speak for itself, and I hope it will for you. Listen to the words of the Prince of Preachers when he addressed this issue and applied it to fatherhood. It is very grievous to see how some professedly Christian parents are satisfied so long as their children display cleverness in learning or sharpness in business, although they show no signs of a renewed nature. If they pass their examinations with credit and promise to be well fitted for the world's battle, their parents forget that there is a superior calling involving a higher crown for which the child will need to be fitted by divine grace and armed with the whole armor of God. Many who ought to know better think themselves superlatively blessed in their children if they become rich or if they marry wealth, if they strike out into profitable enterprises in trade or if they attain eminence in the profession which they have espoused. Their parents will go to their beds rejoicing and awake perfectly satisfied, though their boys are hastening down to hell. If they are also making money by the bushel, they have 
no greater joy than their children are having their portion in this life and laying up treasure where rust corrupts it. Though neither their sons nor daughters show any signs of the new birth, give no evidence of being rich towards God, manifest no traces of electing love or redeeming grace or the regenerating power of the Holy Spirit, yet there are parents who are content with their condition. Now I can only say of such professing parents that they have no question whether they, or, or they have need to question whether they are Christians. If they will not question it themselves, they must give some of us leave to hold it in serious debate. When a man's heart is really right with God and he himself has been saved from the wrath to come and is living in the light of his heavenly father's countenance, it is certain that he is ancient about his children's souls, prizes their immortal natures, and feels that nothing could give him greater glory than to hear that his children walk in the truth of God. So judge yourselves then, beloved, this morning by the gentle but searching test of the text. If you are professing Christians but cannot say that you have no greater joy than the conversion of your children, you have reason to question whether you ought to have made such a profession at all. What's your joy? How are you living, Dad? Are you asking God and the guidance of the Spirit to make the invisible grace of God, which is the power of God into salvation, visible in the lives of your children? Are you understanding that when it comes to changing them, you have no power, but God has invested you with authority from him. Not turn your kids into Christians, but to take them to places that they can see the beauty of the glory of Jesus, so that Jesus can do what only he can do in raising your child to life in him. So every single opportunity in the mundane, in the intentional, in how you're living, in the times that you dads, like I do at times, blow it profusely and have to go to our kids and say, won't you forgive me because I blew it today. I want you to know Jesus, but I did not look much like him today. Will you forgive me as you're seeking forgiveness from the Lord yourself? Cultivating a culture of gospel-driven beauty in your home so that you can say one day when your kids know Jesus, there is no greater joy than knowing that my kids are walking in the truth. What a challenge for fatherhood. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. I don't know about you, but I think we, in our culture today, spend a lot of time playing at things regarding spirituality, talking about them on a level that we act like they're important, but at the end of the day, are we really living our lives, engaged in the things that are of eternal significance?
Are we distracted by the things that keep us from cultivating the hearts and the lives of our children, from being a tool in God's hand that he can use? Dads, if you're there today, for you to be a tool in God's hand to use for the betterment of your children and their eternal well-being, it requires you to be totally yielded to the work of Christ in your life. You can't be fighting against him. You have to stay in the center of his grip so that he can use you to be that authority, to lead your children to the beauty of the gospel so they can be changed forever by it. But this invitation isn't just for dads, it's for all of us. Everybody in this room, have you come to the place in your life that you have surrendered to the lordship of Jesus? That you have accepted the grace of God in your life, you're thankful that his lines always fall in pleasant places, you don't buck against him, you long to live securely within his design for how we live, for our well-being and for his glory. Do you need Christ? If so, I just invite you to know him today. Come to the place in your life that you surrender to him, that you receive him as Savior and Lord, that you confess with your mouth that he's Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead so that you can be saved. But every time we talk about fatherhood, listen, don't leave this place feeling beat up because we are one struggler just talking to another struggler in Struggleville. We're just trying to please Jesus and live our lives in a way that accords with his word. We all need encouragement. I pray that the word of God will just give you a desire to want to please him. To echo the words of John, but it be a reality in your life that there's no greater joy than to know that your children are walking in the truth. And that God would show you how in the mundane places and in the glorious places, you can father your children so that they know what the truth is and long to live in that joy. Lord, I just pray that you'll just transform us based on the truth of your word. We thank you so much for it this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.